there uh, in uh, the church of Philippi. And now he instructs them in verse number 4 in some areas that I want to look at tonight as we look at the gift of God's peace. We all want peace. We don't like turmoil. We want peace. Well, let's look at what God's peace is all about. Verse number 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Father, again, we pray that you bless the reading of your word in our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, he starts here, and I just want to touch on these things. We're not going to, uh, my focus, I want to get into verse 7 and 8. But uh, he starts in verse 6 telling us, hey, to be careful for nothing. And this is how we as Christians ought to be, uh, uh, ought to be our mindset concerning our secular life, uh, our worries. Be careful for nothing. In other words, being careful is talking about worrying. Uh, Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, remember, he says, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, or what, what, uh, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Uh, he talked about the, the uh, birds that the, the Lord feeds. He talked about the sparrows. He talked about the lilies in the valley, that they're beautiful and they, do, they don't spin or toil, and that God takes care of his own. And then he wraps that up, that part in Matthew 6 with uh, verse 33, But seek ye first... The kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, if we know God is our Father, why should we worry? Well, we shouldn't. That's his, his whole point there in Matthew 6. And that's what he's telling us here as well. Paul says, be careful for nothing. I like the poem by Elizabeth Cheney uh, wrote this. Uh, said, a robin to a sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so said the sparrow to the robin. I suppose that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Well, we do, and we ought to trust in him and not worry. Our worries and then our wants. Uh, he goes on here, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, God already knows what we need, uh, but he loves to hear us ask. God longs and instructs us to come to him and uh, to come often, to come and stay long. He wants us to approach him uh, with our prayers. He wants for us to talk to him. He wants us to tell him about our troubles. He wants us to make our requests known to him. You know what I'm talking about is that very thing that when we're talking to somebody uh, makes us usually kind of do this. Sometimes even without realizing, we start to back up as they talk about their troubles and their problems. He actually wants to hear it. He wants us to lay our burdens out on him. And what a blessing that is prayer covers all he said be careful for nothing there is nothing off limits in our prayer how sad it is when we really need to pray uh, for something or about something and we just don't know how to do it first uh, john 5 14 and this is the confidence that we have in him if we ask anything according to his will he heareth us if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him uh, we ought to be in the habit of praying about 
everything all day long. The Bible talks about praying without ceasing. That uh, is talking about being in an attitude of prayer. Prayer ought to be our second nature. And when we pray, we ought to remember that uh, God wants the best for us. That's the love of God. Uh, we ought to remember the wisdom of God, that he knows what's best for us. And then the power of God, that he can accomplish what's best for us. And so as we go to him in prayer, let's remember these things. We don't have to be careful. We don't have to worry. And we don't have to uh, be all stressed out about these things. Prayer, look at here, also contains appreciation. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know, we ought to make sure that our prayers aren't only requests. I know the prayer is asking. We ought, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But uh, when we pray for things that we want or we want the Lord to provide for us, we ought to also pray thanking him for what he has already given. We ought to go with thanksgiving. Now, as human beings... We appreciate appreciation, don't we? Don't you like it when you get a thank you note? I mean, that's a, that's a blessing. When you get a thank you note, somebody just takes the time to, you know, people who actually take a pen or a pencil and actually put it down on paper and go and, and put it inside of other paper and put a sticky thing on it and out the mailbox. I mean, that is a, that's a great thing. You get that in the mail and, then, and it's, it's good to get. I love getting uh, thank you notes. Hint, hint. All right. Uh, I like getting them. And uh, when I get them, I usually hang on to them. It's something I don't throw out. Uh, we all like appreciation. Uh, mom, by the way, wouldn't it be easier cooking for the family, Mom, if you got thank you notes for the meals that you made? They don't even hardly notice, do they? Positive feedback helps us to do more. Now, God is, uh, created us in his image. He wants appreciation. He deserves appreciation for what he's done with thanksgiving. Uh, my girls, I have six daughters, as you know, and, and they're all different, and, uh, and uh, they have different skills at getting things from dad and uh, some of them are much better than others my second one Sarah is the one that just mastered it and uh, and you know you know the difference one rushes dad I need the car keys right now <laughs> do you really or dad do you have a minute I just want to talk to you for a second I haven't said this but I just want you to know how much I appreciate you you know, I go out with my friends, and they're jealous because of the dad I have and the dad they don't. And when I'm out with them, I just, I just think about how this time I'm having, this fun I'm having, and none of it would be possible if I didn't have somebody like you that would let me do these things and, and uh, blah, blah, blah. But I'm giving the keys. I'm giving 100 bucks. You know, take whatever you want. Just have fun. There's, there's ways to get what you want, and some kids master it well we ought to come to the Lord with appreciation I bet if we came to God appreciating what he's done for us we would get more of what we pray for we have that attitude uh, the Lord responds to appreciation and thankfulness try praying sometime for 10 minutes that in itself is a task praying for 10 minutes try praying for 10 minutes and never ask for anything just think appreciate Acknowledge what God's done for you. That's a, it's, a hard, it's harder than what we're just saying. I mean, it's harder than you think. Pray for 10 minutes and never ask God to do anything. Just thank him. It'd be an amazing thing. Thank him for the blessings of life, starting with our salvation. And then just before you say amen, let your request be made known unto God. I would wager that we'll see more answers to our prayer when our prayers contain thankfulness. 
Amen? Prayer comes asking, let your requests be made known unto God. While prayer does cover all and contain appreciation, it also comes asking. Uh, Matthew 7, 7, ask and it shall be given unto you. The Bible says in James 4, 2, you have not because you ask not. So we need to ask, and, and that's what prayer is. I pray thee is old English, I ask thee. That's what prayer really is. Uh, it's asking. Do you think there's any area of your life that God is unconcerned about? It's not. Every area, he's concerned about it. In Matthew 10, Jesus said in verse 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. In other words, without his notice. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not thereof, ye are of more value than sparrows. God has every hair on our head numbered. Amen? That's an amazing thing. You take a shower and you lose three or four and you don't even know about it. God knows about it. He's got every hair numbered. Now, if a sparrow dies uh, and falls to the ground and it cannot do so without escaping the Father's notice, how much more? That's Jesus' whole point. How much more should he care for us? And he does. He's interested uh, in his creation. He knows the burden of your heart. And he wants you to pray about that need. In fact, God is so interested in our prayers that he says in Isaiah 65, 24, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer them. That's an amazing thing. He knows our needs. God knows what you need. God knows what you lack. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Even before we pray, God's already sending the answer. What a great God we have. He's only a prayer away. Let's remember that. Let's take advantage of it. Now, uh, going into your secret life, the thought uh, life, the secret of a guarded thought life. Now look what the Bible says here. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Watch television for any amount of time, and you won't do so long before you hear talk of peace, a desire for peace, uh, the uh, peace sign or the peace symbol. Uh, there are constants around the world. Yet peace without God is absolutely impossible. You cannot have real peace apart from God. Isaiah 57, 20, But the wicked are like the troubled sea, and it cannot rest, whose waters cast up my, uh, mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith God, for the wicked. There is no peace for the wicked. Ezekiel seven twenty five: Destruction comes, and they that seek peace, there shall be none. I hate to disappoint tonight, but uh, peace is impossible, really, in the world until the millennium. I mean, it's not really going to... Now, we can have peace in the midst of all this unrest, but there's not really going to be any peace worldwide until the millennium comes. But there is an inner peace that's promised by God that we can have. John 16, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good comfort. I have overcome the world. We can have peace because of Jesus Christ having overcome those troubles in the world. In other words, while the world is going to pieces, you can have peace. Amen? We can have it through Christ. Now, I have a question. It says here, and the peace of God. So, it, just looking at it backwards, what do you suppose could disturb God's peace? The peace of God, it says. We have two foot of snow on Saturday night, Sunday morning. Is that going to disturb God's peace? It disturbs mine. It doesn't disturb God's peace. 
If the Dow Jones drops 10,000 points, does it disturb God's peace? Nope. If there's a hurricane on the East Coast, if God forbid a Democrat wins the presidency or a Republican wins the presidency, is that going to disturb God's peace? No. If your mother-in-law moves it, actually, that probably would disturb God's peace. The point I'm trying to make is nothing disturbs God's peace. God has perfect peace. Nothing can take place behind God's back. Nothing can take place and take him by surprise. He's never upset. He's never flabbergasted. Can Satan's schemes disturb God's peace? Of course not. God is omniscient. God knows all the works and the schemes and the plans of the devil. He has foreseen every one of them. Satan may be very good at deceiving us, and he is, but he is not good at deceiving God. He can't deceive him. Oh, but God must really have been worried during World War II. Soviet atheism, the Cold War, that must have had him anxiously watching. Was he intimidated by the Soviet army? Did Fidel Castro uh, give him tremors? Was he fooled by the CIA? Nothing can distress God's peace. God has perfect peace. And so, I mean, we, we talk about that, and it, it's almost funny. We know nothing can disturb God's peace. Uh, the calm, it, it is always calm amidst all storms. Jesus, remember, during the worst storm of the disciples' career, was sleeping at the bottom of the boat. Nothing disturbs God's peace. This profound peace of God, the God who controls everything, this is the peace that Paul wants to share with his friends. This is the peace that's available to you and me. Isn't that something? The peace that can't be ruffled by circumstances. Now, if they got the peace of God, remember Paul's dealing here. In this chapter, he starts it out calling out to women who are causing trouble in the church. And they're causing division. And now he immediately goes into the peace of God. Do you think that having the peace of God would improve the focus of this church or any church? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think that it would end the bickering in this church that Paul's writing to? Absolutely it would. That's what the peace of God does. This peace, Paul says, it kept his mind and heart. The word translated keep there uh, is, means to protect by military guard. In 2 Corinthians eleven thirty two, the same word is used, and it means to keep in custody. In fact, it uses the word with a garrison or a fort. So between Paul and all of his horrible circumstances was a fort. (laughs) God's peace kept him in custody. Hey, that's pretty cool that we can have peace in the midst of nasty circumstances because we're often in the midst of some bad circumstances. So how does this work? God's peace kept Paul from destructive thoughts and emotions. Now understand here, Paul is not writing about theory or some theological truth separated from reality. This is a practical possibility in our Christian life. By the way, otherwise I wouldn't bring it up because we're all about teaching practical truths here. Amen? We want to learn from the Bible how, what we can apply to our lives. So Paul was a living testimony that this worked because he's sitting in prison. He's awaiting a, a possible death sentence. And what does he write? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He's got the peace of God. He wants them to have the peace of God. Verse 7 tells us how it works. Through Christ Jesus. We are not kept through the strength of our will. We are not kept through the discipline of our thought, the determination of our heart. We're kept in God's peace through Jesus Christ. 
This is not the first time that Paul has talked about this. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's putting the principle to practice here as a prisoner. You see, the peace of God is never, ever dependent on circumstances. Now that's hard for us to imagine because so much of our happiness and so much of our personal peace is dependent on circumstances. But God's peace isn't. God's peace rises above the circumstances. Now, a guarded thought life has to be accompanied to have God's peace. It not only has to be guarded, it has to be guided. Now, look at what he says next. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just. He's going to give us a long list of things. When we find our thoughts wandering down the path of worry, or whatever brings worry into our lives, there is a precaution that we can make. Here he says, uh, this has been, by the way, overused in psychology today, I think, and by many preachers when they talk about the power of positive thinking. I'm not one that promotes the power of positive thinking just for the point of being positive. But there is there's truth to it, and there's a help in it uh, to think about the right things. That's what Paul's talking about here. Positive thinking, or purposeful thinking is a better term that I like, is only possible because Christ lives his life in us. Now, what Paul's telling us to do here is, is uh, psychologically pretty neat because our brain, our mind, can really only focus on one thing at a time, especially men. Now, I know women, I, they, I'm, I'm, I don't know how it works. My wife can be watching television, talking on the phone, taking care of three kids, and still listen to everything I have to say. Uh, but, but really, our, our brains, including women, we can really only focus on one thing. I actually have a... I want to show you this in action. Pastor, I'm going to pick on you if you don't mind. You, you can stay right there. I'm going to have you do a little... I'm going to have you do a little uh, something here to show us the power of this. I figured I'd use somebody, smartest person in here to prove this to us. So what I want you to do is I want you to, there's a row of colors. I want you to tell me the color, okay? You're not colorblind, right? Okay. So just start at the top and just tell me the colors going across. No, that's green. Now just keep going. Gotta go fast though. (laughs) It takes some thinking, doesn't it? Okay. It's blue. It's not, you don't have to look that long. It's just real quick, right there. <laughs> you get the point, right? It's really hard to do. I'm trying to read it today, and it's, why? Because our mind can only think on one thing. And here it's like a trick. It's, we see words, and we see colors. Our mind doesn't, if those are just blobs, you could just go right across, boo, 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 no problem. But th- there's, there's a double thing there, so it's making you see, your mind's wanting to say the word, and you're, also seeing the color. Well, this, this is a principle here Paul's using because our minds, really, if we focus on something, we're not going to be focusing on the other. And so he's saying, here, if you want the peace of God, there's some things you're going to have to think about and you have to guide your mind in that peace. You can't be thinking about circumstance. You can't be thinking about all the things going on in the world around you and expect to have the peace of God in your life. So here's some things to think about. We're wired to focus on one thing at a time. If you're thinking of something good, you cannot think of something bad at the same time if you're really focusing on it. 
So then, what Paul's saying, avoid destructive thoughts. You want to you have the peace of God in your life? Then don't focus on the negative in your life. Here's some good things to talk about, and we're actually going to get into the list a little more next week, but he says, uh, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, gives a whole list of things that we are to think. He says, think on these things. That's what we ought to put our focus on. There's a discipline here. Look at verse number 8. Uh, well, the list, we just, we just read a little bit of it, but whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, that's what he starts with, pure. Now, a person becomes what they think about. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. A person becomes what he thinks about. It's interesting that God says both of our actions... And our thoughts can be a problem. He deals with both. Did you know before the flood that the reason, one of the reasons God wiped out all of humanity except for Noah and his family uh, was because of their actions and their thoughts? The Bible says in Genesis 6, 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, actions, and the imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually, thought. Both are wicked. Well, they both go together, really. Bad thoughts lead to bad actions. If the peace, if God's peace in our mind, if we our minds and hearts, if we want the peace of God, then we've got to learn to discipline our thought process. Proverbs 4.23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We, we should focus and train and discipline our thinking. If we're going to think about our problems, just sit around and think about our problems all the time, we're not going to have the peace of God in our life. Would you agree with me on that? I mean, it's, we, we, we've all been there. We start having a party, a pity party. Have you ever noticed nobody wants to come to your pity party? You know, you, you throw a birthday party and people want to come, ice cream and cake, but you throw a pity party, nobody wants to come to it. If they do, they don't want to stay long. But that's what we start to do. Again, in Isaiah 26.3, Thou wilt keep him... Here's, here it is, another one. Thy will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. There it is again. We discipline our thought life, we discipline our mind, and we can have peace. But it takes that action on our part. Paul tells us in Romans 12, 1, present your bodies a living sacrifice, action. And then in the next verse, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, thought process. Both of them go together. Now, the carnally-minded Christian, if, if he's carnally-minded, thinks about sinful things in his mind. So he has no peace of God in his life because his mind is at odds with the Holy Spirit. If he's not thinking about the things in this list, he's thinking about carnal things, worldly things, problems, uh, conflicts, and all these different things, then this puts him at odds with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is, uh, is all about the things that listen in this verse here. The most, by the way, the most miserable person in the world is a carnal Christian, not an unsaved person, a carnal Christian. Because a carnal Christian is something that he ought not be. A natural man, an unsaved person, is just that. He's natural. He's doing what comes naturally to him. But a, un, an, a saved person who's living carnally, knowing, doing things he shouldn't be doing, and he knows he shouldn't be doing them, that's the height of misery. There's a battle going on inside with the flesh and the spirit, and there's war, not peace. Now, of course, 
all of us have the battle. I'm not saying that ever goes away because that's even Apostle Paul was talking to just got earlier there, uh, Romans chapter 7. Uh, he talks about Paul's battle with himself and the flesh that he had to deal with. So we, had, uh, we have to understand that that's never going to go away. But if we are carnally minded or we allow our minds to be focused on worldly things, we're not going to have peace. Galatians 5.17, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. Romans 8.6, For to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and guess what word peace spiritually minded how are we spiritually minded think on these things he gives us a list hey man i'm a guy i like lists makes it easy i can make it put it on paper to get that and that and that and that when i go to the grocery store i go to the, i do a lot of our grocery shopping because we do it in sioux falls and uh, so i'll ask my wife what do we need uh well just get the regular don't tell me get the regular I want a list give me a list of what I and so I always like when she writes me a list and uh, tells me what to get and how many of each amen it, I'm supposed to know that psychologically anyway uh, then uh, the discipline of positive thoughts we also have the development then of productive tasks so verse 9 again these things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me what's the next word do do you know what happens when you train and discipline your mind to think about godly thoughts and you, you go through that list in verse 8 and you do think on all those things? Guess what you're going to uh, naturally is the outcome of that is you're going to start to do the right things. Remember, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Well, it makes a big difference what we think about. Peace, then, is a byproduct of doing what we know. Thinking the right things helps us to do the right things. We are very likely to do what we think. We're, we're, we're always thinking about something. Proverbs 16, 3, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. You will, and I, I'm just touching a few verses here. There's all kinds of verses in the Bible where these are connected. Thoughts and works, they're connected. How you think is what you do. In one place, God says, if you think right, you'll do right. And then in another place, he says, if you do right, you'll think right. In Proverbs 16, he says that. They're connected. The partnership of positive thoughts and productive tasks. They're absolutely interconnected, and they both will enable you to have peace. Now, do you want peace? Do you want peace in your life? I don't think we have to ask for an answer. I think all of us want peace in our life. Then let me ask a simple question. What are you going to think on today, tonight, tomorrow? What are you thinking on? What do you allow? You know, we have to be, the Bible says, keep our heart. In other words, control your mind. Be in control of it. Don't let your mind wander. Don't let it just go off on its own. Sometimes, I'm sure you've been there before. My mind starts to go where it shouldn't, and I reach out and grab it back. No, I'm not going to think on that. I'm going to think on this, and we ought to discipline ourselves. Let's compare two people. One person starts the day with reading the Bible and a devotional. They listen to good music on their commute to work. They dwell on and think about thankfulness for their family. They may even send some texts expressing appreciation to mates, children, parents. They think about their church ministry throughout the day and think about how they can better serve in the areas that God's entrusted them with. They pray for their pastor. They pray for the co-laborers at church and their brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's 
what they focus on throughout the day. The other person in our illustration starts off the day on wicked internet sites, plays four hours of video games, thinks of the next dirty off-color joke to tell their friends, indulges themselves in hateful thinking and schemes, ways that they might spread gossip about people who are giving them a hard time in their life. Which one has peace? Duh. Not difficult for us to answer that question. If you want the peace of God, think on these things. Paul gives the remedy right there. It's, it's a recipe. Real simple for you. He even gives us a list so that any old dummy like me can read it and say, That's, I, I want peace. That's what I'm going to do. It's time that God's people go on offensive. We spend way too much time in defense. You know, Satan's always attacking. Uh, we're always dealing with our flesh, and we're sitting there in defense. We've got to attack the problem. We have to develop a strategy in how we're going to win against our flesh and how we're going to defeat Satan's temptations in our life. 2 Corinthians 2.11 Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. No, we're not. The Bible tells us his devices. We know our weak spots. We know how he has over and over and over successfully gotten us to sin and to do wrong into our pet sins or, as the Bible says, that sin that so easily besets us. And so let's get aggressive with it. And we need to not be ignorant of how he has in the past gotten us to fail over and over. Get, go on the offense. How we think is going, to, is going to have a big part of how we act. You want to act right? Think right. Want to think right? Here's a list for us. Here's, I mean, it's a great filter. Tomorrow, and I mean, it'd be great to, I've got these, uh, I, I always like to carry three by five cards or something along that line. I know people write things in their phone, but sometimes it's good to go old school. And uh, three, by five car, three by five card, uh, just write it out. Write, write the whole list here. Um, true, honest, just, pure, lovely. And you start to have some thoughts tomorrow. Why that rotten so-and-so? And start to think about who wronged you or somebody who said something against you. I mean, Pastor Forsberg said he's going to preach my funeral. My goodness. You know, I mean, I, that just sticks in my craw. And, and I start to, is it pure? Is it just? Is it good? Then rethink. Like, uh, like your GPS, recalculating. That's what we need to do with our thoughts. We start going down the wrong thought. We need to recalculate. Whoa, not going to go down that path. Listen, we better watch how we think because how we think is going to determine how we act. And we, a lot of times, Christians are good for this. We like to deal with symptoms when we don't, instead of dealing with the source of the problem. And so we deal with actions. Really, where we got to back up a little bit and deal with our thinking. How are we thinking? Oh, I said something I shouldn't have. You probably said something you should have because you thought something you shouldn't have. You know what I'm saying? So we just step back a little bit. Let's examine our thinking. Here's a great filter to run our thoughts through right here. List in verse number eight. If there are any virtue, praise. Hey, do your thoughts have praise, virtue? Again, not going to go through the list now because we're looking at that next week a little more uh, cl uh, closer. But as we've said before, the circumstances of life is something we absolutely cannot control. Our outward circumstances. Can't control them. But we can control how we respond to them. How we respond to them is going to rest largely on how we think. 
how you think. We can choose to succumb to the pressure of our circumstances and those things around us. We can get discouraged or we can choose to have peace by giving them over to the Lord. Remember what Paul said, be careful for nothing. Don't worry. Worry is like a rocking chair. It'll keep you busy. It'll take you nowhere. Don't worry. Be careful for nothing in everything by prayer and supplication. We need to just be able to give it to the Lord. It's hard to do. I know it's hard to do. Very hard to do. It's not any easier for me than it is for anybody else. You have children that are astray or things happening in your life that's difficult and it's hard. Man, I want to take care of it myself. I don't want to hand it over to God, but sometimes that's what we have to do, especially when there's nothing we can do about it. You You know what the definition of frustration is in your Christian life? is when you try to handle something you have no control over. At least frustration. Oh, it's frustrating. Or we can be careful for nothing. We need to seek the peace of God. He says, And the peace of God which passes all understanding. Isn't that the truth? Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then he gives us a list to filter our thoughts through. You want the peace of God? Think right. Let's change our thinking. 